Last week we began a little series on the subject of there's a great day coming. And uh, we are centering our study on the book of Second Peter. So if you've got your Bible, let me ask you just to open up to Second Peter and tell you that there is an outline of our study in your program and you may want to follow along with us. Well, Second Peter is a very short book, only three chapters, but it is very important. In chapter 3 and 1 and 2, we find Peter began these words. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the commands given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. We find that uh, in chapter 1, we looked at last week, that uh, Peter told us about some things we do not need to forget. Because we are the children of God and looking forward to the coming of our Lord, there are some things that we need to not forget. And he gave us a list of those in chapter 1. Now we come to chapter 3, and he's going to give us the details about the second coming of Jesus. Did you know that uh, with the second coming of Jesus is going to be the end of the world as we know it? Did you realize, though, that Christopher Columbus also had some things to say about the end of the world? Columbus wrote a book called The Book of Prophecies, and in it he said that the world was going to end in 1656. Well, he missed it, didn't he? As others who have made predictions about when exactly the Lord is going to come, they have also missed it. But Peter wants us to know exactly what's going to take place. So if you have your Bible, we're going to begin in 2 Peter chapter 3 at verse 3. And Peter writes, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestor died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forgot that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Well, now, as Peter begins, the two words he begins with are above all. Some translations say, first of all, I want to warn you about scoffers. It was back in uh, 1898 that S.G. Wells wrote a book called The War of the Worlds. And it was on October the 13th, 1938, that people were listening to CBS radio as people did in those days before there was television. And everybody on that day was listening to the dance music and enjoying it. And all of a sudden, the announcer broke in with this announcement. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. And then for the next hour, the audience was stunned to hear a series of increasingly historical voices narrating an invasion of Martian monsters landing first on a New Jersey farm and then unleashing poisonous gases over New York City. Then an anguished announcer said, All communication with the Jersey Shore is closed. No more defense. Our army is wiped out. Artillery, Air Force, everything wiped out. This may be our last broadcast. And later they learned they had been listening to Orson Welles and his Mercy Theater presentation of The War of Worlds. But there was absolute panic, and millions experienced serious levels of distress, and nobody realized that what was said was not true. Ah, what panic there was to think that the world had been invaded by Martian monsters. Now, that was not true. But can you imagine what's going to happen on that day when the Lord Jesus Christ does return. And there have often been people today who are giving uh, out ideas about the return of Jesus. I guess the big buzz in 2012 was there was a Mayan calendar that had predicted the end of the world, and many went along thinking, surely the end of the world is here. But the Bible says that Jesus' coming is not a myth. But there are scoffers who are going to come. Well, what exactly is a scoffer? A scoffer is someone who treats lightly what should be taken seriously. And you begin to have ideas about people who have had that very same experience with the Lord. Do you imagine that Noah heard a lot of jokes as he was building the ark? Don't you imagine there were a lot of scoffers who laughed at him, made fun of him, and his family as they were gathering together the word to build an ark, and then the animals as they were being gathered up, and how they must have laughed and joked about him? Don't you know the very same was also true in the people in Sodom and Gomorrah? When Lot tried to warn them about the coming destruction of the city because of their sin, and the Bible in Genesis chapter 19, verse 14, says that he even tried to warn his sons-in-laws about it. And these are the words in Genesis 19:14. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. And they stayed in the city, and they were destroyed as Sodom and Gomorrah were wiped out. We find, though, that the return of Jesus is something that is very real. And that our Lord is going to come even as he said he would, and that judgment and hell are something that are very real. Well, do you wonder why it is that people scoff? Why would they make fun of something this serious? And we find that it is uh, given to us by Peter why it is that that takes place. He said they want to follow their own evil desires. That is, they do not want to admit that this is a reality. They have a lifestyle involving sin, and they do not want to live a life of sin, and so they scoff at the idea that the Lord Jesus Christ may come. 
You see, when you read about the second coming of Jesus and the end of the world, they can do one of two things. Number one, they can change their lifestyle, or number two, they can make fun of it as if it is something that is not going to happen and will not take place. And most of them, he said, they choose the latter. But the Bible says that as they are scoffing at the second coming of Jesus, that they do have an argument they make. And their argument is this, where is the promise of His coming? That's in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 4. And you realize that Jesus did make that promise. John chapter 14, verse 3, He told His disciples, He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to take you, that you may also be where I am. Jesus did very clearly say that He was going to return. Also, those disciples who saw the uh, ascension of Jesus when He left this Word heard from the uh, angels, and they said to these men, Why do you guys staring up into heaven? This same Jesus whom you have seen go will come in like manner even as you have seen Him depart. So the second coming of Jesus was something that Jesus had talked about and the angels had talked about, and now they are faced with whether or not it's going to be something they accept or not. Now, they made a very wrong assertion. Peter says, they say, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Now, kind of interesting to me that they would cite creation. Because you see, in this day, the idea of uh, evolution was unknown, and everybody accepted the fact that the world had begun and Jesus had created it. They say everything's gone on just like it has since the beginning of creation. But then in verse 5, Peter says, But there were some things that they deliberately forgot. Now, what is it that you deliberately forget? Probably, if you're like me, it's something you don't want to do. And so because you don't want to do it, you just deliberately forget it. Uh, have you guys ever come into the house and your wife said, uh, Honey, would you carry out the trash till I get supper ready? And you, like me, say, Yeah, I'll be glad to. Then you go over and sit down and watch television and you forget about it. And later as you get ready to eat, she said, Did you carry out that trash? Man, I forgot about it. You know what? You kind of deliberately forgot what you didn't want to do. And so it is that Peter says, these people have deliberately forgotten what it is that they do not want to happen. You see, they have forgotten, he said, that by God's Word, the heavens and the earth were formed. Did you realize that this earth has not always been here? But it was by the Word of God that the earth came into being. And the heavens as we know them, that they came into being because of the Word of God. You see, they have forgotten, though, that the world has not always been here, and that things began with the Word of God. He said they also have forgotten about the flood. And that is that God brought a deluge upon the world, and by that deluge, the earth and all those who were in it were destroyed, except Noah and his family. And you see, he says, by that same word, 
God is going to destroy this earth. Now, the first time, He destroyed it by water. And the second time, He's going to destroy it by fire. Because that's what our God has done, and that is His Word. Now, there are many people who were unprepared for the coming of the flood. And there are going to be many people who are unprepared for the coming of Jesus and the destruction of this world by fire. And so they asked the question, though, in verses 8 and 9, Why has Jesus not returned? And he answers the question by saying this, two things. Number one, God does not keep time like we do. We keep time, you know, by uh, uh, watches and clocks, and we turn them up here and there. But uh, I want to tell you something. God doesn't keep time like you do. He says, with God, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Over in the Psalms, chapter 90, verse 4, he said, with the Lord, it is a, a day is like a thousand years. So God does not keep time like we do. But the reason God has not sent Jesus back and the reason He has not come is that He did not want anybody to perish. He wanted everybody to survive. He wanted everybody to know about the Lord and become a Christian. Now, I want you to think about something. What if the Lord had come before you became a Christian? If the Lord had come before you'd become a Christian, you'd have no hope. And he says what the Lord wants is he wants everybody to be saved. And so the coming of the Lord has been put off because he is ready for everybody in the world to be saved. And that's why the Lord has not already come. And then come with me, if you will, now to verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire in the earth. And everything done in it will be laid bare. He said, I want to tell you, this you can be sure. And that is that the Lord is going to return. You see, with that is going to come then the judgment of God. Now, he said, I want to tell you what it's coming to be like. He said, it's going to be like the coming of a thief in the night. Have you ever had a thief come to your house when you weren't prepared? Several years ago, I uh, inherited a little boat from my dad when he died. And uh, I didn't know exactly what to do with it. And so, first day I got it, I uh, put it in my garage rather than putting my car in the garage. And it was one of those nights that was stormy and thundering. And I went out the next morning to my car and thieves had broken into my car. They evidently realized that with thunder going on and everything, that people couldn't hear what was going on, and they had smashed the windows of my car, and they had gotten inside my car. Fortunately, I didn't have anything of real value. But you know, if I had known the thieves were coming that night, I'd have been prepared. I'd been out there with my shotgun waiting for them. Uh, but here Jesus is going to come, he said, like a thief. That is, when you are unprepared, it's going to be sudden. It's going to be unexpected. Well, what can you expect to happen when Jesus returns? Well, let me tell you, it's kind of interesting. You see, Paul tells us what's going to happen with people when Jesus comes. And Peter 
is going to tell us what's going to take place with the world when He comes. So if you want to find out what's going to take place with people, turn in your Bible with me to what Paul said over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 5. And here Paul says there are four things going to happen. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13, 14, he says that when Christ comes, He's going to bring the dead saints with Him. Now, you may remember that when Jesus was on the cross that he said to the thief, Today will you be with me in paradise. Now, what was with Jesus? Well, his spirit or his soul was with the Lord. And when you and I die, our soul or our spirit goes to be with the Lord. Now, they will bury our bodies, but our spirit is going to be with the Lord. And when the Lord returns... He's going to bring the soul or the spirit of those who are righteous with Him. So that's what Paul said, chapter 4, verse 14. And then he said in verse 16, And the dead in Christ will rise first. That is, those who have already died and they have been buried, then their body is going to be resurrected. I think their body will be resurrected. It will be changed and their spirit will be joined with those that Christ brings with him when he comes. And then you will find, he says in verse 17, then those of us who are left will be caught up to be with the Lord. That is, those of us who are still alive, we will be caught up. Our bodies will be changed, and we will be joining the Lord. And he said, we will then be with the Lord forever. And then in chapter 4, verse 17, he says, Those who are caught up will be with the Lord. And then in verse chapter 5, verse 3, he says, And those who are unprepared will be destroyed by the Lord. That is, they're going to receive what it is they deserve, and that is, they're going to be in hell. And so when the Lord comes, it's going to be that which involves people. It's going to involve us, whether we are alive or dead, and whether we're alive or dead doesn't matter because we're going to be caught up and we're going to be with the Lord forever. And that's what's going to happen when Jesus Christ comes. Well, our Lord had predicted that. Over in the book of John, chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, Jesus had said this, Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done good... Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. And so when the Lord comes, if you are dead, you're going to be resurrected. If you are alive, your spirit will be with the Lord. It will come, and you're going to be joined together with your new body, and you will be able to be with the Lord forever. But Peter now says, I want you to know what's going to happen with this earth. If you've got your Bible, look with me if you will beginning uh, in the last part here of chapter 3 that we looked at, and beginning in verse uh, 9 and 10. He says, concerning our Lord, better let me get over there in the right place. Ah. The Bible says that when the Lord comes, that the earth is going to be destroyed by fire, and there's going to be a loud noise. Now, that loud noise is going to be the crackling of the fire. 
Maybe you've got a fireplace or been around a campfire and you've heard the fire as it crackled and so it is that this world is going to be crackling with fire as the Lord destroys it. Some people ask, oh, well, how exactly is that going to take place? How is this world that we're living in going to be destroyed by fire? There are three things that different people have suggested that maybe be the how the Lord's going to do that. If what those who are scientists think is true, the inside of the earth is like a burning volcano. Kind of like the shell of an egg, and somebody would just take it and squash that egg, and as they did, then what was inside the egg would get all over it, and the Lord made just crush this earth, and so that all of the fiery volcanic-like things going on in the center of the earth, they will then devour this earth so that the whole thing is destroyed. Maybe so. Others have thought that maybe the sun will be like a black hole and that the earth will just be sucked into the sun. And as the sun is a boiling mass, so it is that this earth will then just be wiped out by the sun. Or thirdly, there are some who think that it may be a nuclear war that God will allow to develop, and the nuclear war would then be that which would cause the end of this earth and for it to all be destroyed and wiped out. Beginning then in verse 11, he says, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? He said, you know that when the Lord returns, that this earth that we have here and everything in it is going to be burned up. And knowing that, what kind of people ought you to be? And then he answers the question. He says, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. This day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in heat. But in keeping with His promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. You and I, He says, because we know what's going to happen. That ought to determine the kind of people we are. And we ought to be people who are living holy, godly lives, and we ought to be ready for the coming of our Lord. It's not a myth. It's a reality. God spoke the Word into this world, in this world, into existence. And by that same Word, God who spoke the world into existence can also speak it out of existence. And that's what He's going to do when Jesus Christ returns. When President Dwight Eisenhower was president of our country, he took a vacation to Denver. And when he got to Denver, he was told about a little six-year-old boy who had incurable cancer by the name of Paul Hartley, who really wanted to meet the president. And the president thought about that, and he said, you know, let's just go to that boy's home, and I'll meet him. And so they got out into the presidential limo, and flags were flying, and he drove to the home where Paul Hartley lived. And he went up to the door and just knocked on the door. And a guy came to the door. He had an old dirty t-shirt on and dirty jeans and he said yeah and he said is Paul here and he said yeah he's here he said would you tell him the president 
would like to see him. And he said, okay. And he went in and he got his six-year-old son and he was kind of bashful behind his dad. And then the president reached out to him and he came into the president's arms and the president hugged him and said, I'm glad you want to meet me. And he took him out to the presidential limo and he showed him how he traveled and all the things that were there and the secret service men who were protecting him and took him back in and he went back to uh, where he was staying and you know everybody was happy about that except one person and that person was the dad the dad said you know I came out he said I had raggedy clothes on and everything if I had known the president was coming, he said, I would have been dressed a lot nicer. You know, if you and I knew exactly the day that the Lord's coming, we'd be on our very best behavior. But he said, since we don't, we need to live holy and godly lives because that day will come like a thief when we're unprepared, when we're not ready, when we are not anticipating it, so will be the day that our Lord Jesus Christ comes. But when He comes, it's going to be a wonderful day for those who are the children of God. They're going to be able to be caught up with the Lord, and they will be with Him forever. Ah, what a day. I want you to know there's a great day coming, and I want you to be ready for it by living the kind of lives God wants you to live, so you will be prepared when our Lord does come. Would you pray with me? Holy Father, what a wonderful thing it is to know that you who spoke this world into existence is one day going to return and take with you all of those, dear God, who are your children. And dear Father, we love you, and we want to be prepared for that day so we can be with you forever and ever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning. And maybe there's a way we could be of encouragement to you. Maybe you have never become a Christian and would like to come and confess your faith and be baptized into Christ. Everything's ready for that today. Maybe you'd like to come and place your membership and be identified as a part of our family here. Well, there's any other way we could help you or encourage you if you'd like to come. Why don't you do it right now as we just stand and sing our song of invitation together. There is a name I love to hear, I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me It tells me of a Savior's love Who died to set me free It tells me of his precious blood The sinner's perfect plea Oh, how I love Jesus Oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, because He first loved me.